I'm like, this is my life. This is my life. Yeah, Empty to the welcome cast glass pass. I said that last time. Welcome to the wacky Sonic Wacky Pack. Welcome to the inflatable arm wailing tube, man. This is depressed Matt. This is sorrowful Stefan. <laughs> What's up? Am I, I am I a joke to you? Is my depression a joke to you? Yeah. I'm the I'm the, I'm the I'm the societal oh, norm that says I'm the big bully. I don't care about men. I'm the health. fucking condom that Jack puts on his penis to fuck the world. That's a Fight Club reference. Yeah. Is that what you were making? No. It sounded like it. Like kind of did. I am Jack's bloody fist from fisting that one. I don't shake. think I was. No, I wasn't making a reference to like anything in particular. Not really. You know what I watched the other day that I really enjoyed? What's that? Uh, Mexican Batman. Mexican Batman? Mm Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Like, is it a movie from Mexico that was a Batman movie, or... No, what is it? Mexican Batman. Think about it. Who would you consider as a Mexican Batman? Uh... The Mandalorian? (laughs) (laughs) Pedro Pascal. No. no. Um... (laughs) Did I talk about this already? No. Zorro. Oh, yeah. He is kind of like Batman. Mexican Batman. Yes. Hispanic. Spaniard. Be culturally he's not, sensitive. He's not a Spaniard. Be culturally sensitive, yeah. Antonio Banderas, is, 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 his character in that movie is not a Spaniard. Yeah, he's a... Spa- he's a... He's Espanol. So, uh, what I read was that Anthony Hopkins, although is not Hispanic or anything like that, uh, his costume design when he was Zorro at the beginning of the movie was designed with his Spaniard heritage in mind, while Antonio Banderas' character was uh, uh, from Mexico, so that was more a Mexican-style okay. costume. Right. But anyway, a movie goes fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> it still holds up. You watch, so they have it on Netflix? Yeah. The Mask of Zorro? The Mask of Zorro, yeah. Good. What was the one after that? Dog shit. <laughs> I know. I'm just asking what the name no, was. What the was Legend it? of Zorro. Oh, the Legend. Which, God, what a fucking awful movie! I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you think that adding a kid to a movie is going to improve it, unless you're Logan, don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't yeah. add kids to movies. Unless you're Logan or The Last of Us, don't do it. Or, uh, okay, uh, what the fuck was his name from Terminator Two? Oh, John Carter. John Carter. Connor. Connor. John Carter. First of all. But no, the, the <laughs> actor who played him, I forgot his name. Some teen heartthrob from the 80s. I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. He almost ruined it. But, I mean, Terminator 2 was almost better than the first one. Oh, it's, I think it's better. You know, I, I still think it's better, too. But I watched the first one not too long ago because it's been a while. It's actually a lot better than I remember. And it holds up very well. It's good. But, uh, yeah, so... Mask of Zorro, fucking kick ass. Kick ass. The fencing in that movie is... No, no, no. Like, if you haven't seen it since we did fencing, I, I need to show you at least the opening scene because it's just incredible. And the long shots and the just the fast pacing. It's everything I love in choreography. It gets me so rock hard. But... Sorry. No, you're fine. But I just... I love it. Like, it's so... I'm like... I used to watch the movie a lot as a kid. That probably helped to me being as choreography based as I am now 
that it, that strikes that actually strikes that chord with you where you're like yeah <laughs> as a kid what, i was like yeah when do you think when do you think choreography in movies took a down like what movie in your head kind of started fucking with the choreography and then everyone just started following that that's, what movie? That oh, the definitive. Uh, that's too difficult of a question. I I can consecutively say, I know the pinnacle of bad was Liam Neeson jumping over a fence and it taking like, I think it was like twelve cuts to do it. What the fuck? In Taken Three, he jumps over a fence and there's like at least twelve cuts for him wow. just hopping over a fence. It will make you sick. What? Okay, for me, this might sound a little weird. But I think Lord of the Rings started it. Like, because Lord of the Rings, don't get me wrong, has great action sequences in it. You get to see a lot of the stuff happening, but when the sword fighting's actually going down, it's really close up, you know, especially in a big war. And I get it, because it's like, it's a big war type thing. But I think stylistically, Lord of the Rings was one of the first movies to take this fantasy book, this, you know, beloved tale, and turn it into a, a breathing, watchable thing, right? So. When I think to the to the new Star Wars movies, because I was rewatching some of the fight scenes of the new Star Wars movies just on YouTube, kind of to see where because people are like, well, if you watch the movies, Ray always has Palpatine's fighting style, which is kind of true. Uh, is an interesting little touch I never. My brain literally up. turned off the second you started mentioning well, Star Wars. But no, I got a point here. The way they handle the action sequences, especially like the forest and the Force Awakens and the snow, reminds me. I'm like, wow, this is almost shot for shot. The 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 fight scene at Amon Hen in the first episode in Fellowship of the Ring, when he, Aragorn gives Frodo the ring and is like go, and it's Gimli, Aragorn, and uh, Legolas fighting the orcs off like in that in that little clearing at Amon Hen, and that reminds me exactly of of like the choreography. It looks almost exactly the same, where it will start kind of almost from a top angle, and then you get in too close and you can't see what's going on. You, you know what I think it is. Um, I think the real error came in with like one of two things one having misunderstanding how to represent an emotional standoff in a fight and two the billing of the actor so the first part oh actually the second part i'm gonna go into first i like the billing of the actor the billing of the actor they want to show that it's the actual actor fighting which we as the audience our suspension of disbelief can be like oh yeah fucking this person is fighting this even though it's clearly a stunt double it's like we have a suspension of disbelief. You don't have to do close-ups on their face. That's where... Actually, um, The Last Jedi is a good... Ex- not Last Jedi. The Rise of Skywalker is a good example of both points I just had. So I'll get to that once I go over the second point. But they spend too much time trying to show off. It is the paid actor they're sp- spending millions for. Oh, yeah. And so they'll break up you know, a cool... you know, Someone does a flip, but then they'll zoom in on the actor and make it seem like it's him. It's like, rather, just keep the flow. The Mask of Zorro worked because, I mean, Antonio Banderas, first of all, did a lot of his own stunts and a lot of sword fighting. Right, but, which is but fucking other, impressive. But this one scene where he jumps, does a front flip onto a table and then fights a whole bunch of guys, it's one single shot and it's done with this great momentum and everything going on because it's a guy in a mask. You can have, you don't, and also Antonio Banderas was a known actor, but he wasn't a famous actor at that time. So yeah, it's, so, so it's, it's easier to blend. Right, and then the second part with the emotional standoff, there's too many times where they try to show that the character is fighting for an emotional reason. The fight from Rise of Skywalker with Rey and uh, Kylo. Kylo. Exactly, I, yeah, perfect example. So I, I actually did watch it on higher quality. 
it is too zoomed in because they're trying to show the emotion and struggle on their face rather than letting their body do the talking, their actions and their fighting. That can be done. You can show that. Well, it's just like it's, episode three shows it. Right. It takes a lot of effort. Well, yeah, episode three is good, but I'm just saying. Um, it shows it in the fight sequence between. I know. Yeah. But stop deteriorating me. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying, that's I, w- I still stand by my point that the shots were too close and that it just wasn't as good of a fight because they tried too hard to show the actors faces which they're they're good actors they can show their struggle on their face as well but that wasn't the point to show it you need to show with their body and with their anger and their strikes what they were feeling and i don't think the choreographer for that particular scene knew how to show that or if they did whoever was recording or editing did not choose to show that they chose they showed the face so i think that's because you have your choreographer cinematographer performer then you got your that, director's production assistant. Well, no, 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 no. Hold on. Just in a in a good fight scene, editor, cinematographer, um, and the performer. Right. I think those three are the main important things for a good fight scene. If all three of those don't work in perfect tandem and can get the specific feeling, it's not done well. Okay. I mean, of course, you have your director, but you know Steven Spielberg isn't going to know like how to. You know, he's not going to be like, oh yeah, this fight scene and this and stuff. Like, no, the choreographer knows what needs to be done. The performer, it's up to them to do it. And cinematographer is the person to capture it. And the editor, once again, sorry, is the person to make sure that they don't put in people's faces and do a fuck ton of cuts on a good fucking set piece. Yeah. So four people, I'm sorry. You know, it makes me wish that, well, because when I saw The Matrix, right, that, when, as a kid, that was like the pinnacle of new choreography, right? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, we're going to go a really long, far way here in you know, just a couple of years, we're going to have some of the most beautiful, unreal, out of this world kind of shots. And I was kind of right. I was also kind of wrong. At one point, there was a development of a camera by Airy, and it was going to be, I forgot what they called it, but it was like a smart camera, production camera. Uh-huh. It shot in 6K, and it shot something like every pixel is manipulatable. And it shoots at like every angle, not every angle, but uh, every focal length you could possibly imagine. So if your shot was too zoomed in in post, it would you can zoom it out in post, right? If the oh, lighting was weird. wrong on just like pixels, you could literally go fix the lighting on pixels. And it was a camera that they were developing for a while and then stopped developing. But essentially, it probably costs a shit ton of money. Yeah, but it would have been interesting to see something like that because part of me thinks that the editor, because I, I'm an editor, I know exactly what it's like to be an editor. An editor's job is to make it work. You know, the filmmakers might have made a couple mistakes here and there. They made a not, might have not thought something all the way through during a sequence, a dialogue sequence, a fight sequence. And so you have to make something up. And um, there was a point in time where choreography was taken very, very seriously. I feel like movies nowadays are made on kind of a run-and-gun type. Well type vibe like we're gonna get this movie shot in six months you know because there's so much post to do there's so many visual effects to add there's so many different things to to complete this that we need to give that that team the animation team the those guys more time so we're gonna just shoot this movie in eight months six months three months and get it shot and i i don't like that so much me and my dad just the other day watched the departed and he loved that movie and you can tell that the movie was kind of rushed 
a bit just by its pacing the way it's edited especially like dude there are some pretty jarring cuts in that movie i mean almost uh, almost i don't want to say bad edits because it, it happens so frequently it's almost stylistic but it feels like bad edits at times um that movie came out in 2007 2008 it's when i feel like this whole like let's just get movies made kind of thing started happening well that was also um that that type of editing, the quick edits, was very popular during early two thousand. Sure was, sure because it was like the slow, the weird slow motion, that weird shit. bad slow mo. It's twenty four yeah. frames a second and slowed just, down. Yeah, it's so bad. That was very of the age. I mean, that was a very two thousand style of editing. So I, I think that can get a pass because I mean, The Departed is still a great movie, but mm-hmm. um, mm. I don't. So I don't think they had a bad editor. I just think it was one who was kind of following well, the flow. What I well yeah, he following the flow, but you can tell that things are pieced together. That's more more yeah. more so what I'm saying. Like you can tell that they shot the film and on the cutting room floor made the big decisions, which is how it always is, of course. But mm. there was a lot there that was cut. I think. Once we hit digital, because that's a digitally shot movie, from what I understand. Uh-huh. Uh, when we move to digital, because things, because we're not spending ten thousand dollars for ten minutes of roll, right anymore. Uh, we spend ten thousand dollars once on a digital production camera, and we're we're good. We just buy SD cards from there on, and and whatever, what have you. I think a lot of these directors, producers, production management people. They're, when they're shooting, they just assume, we'll fix it in post. That's a mentality that a lot of people have nowadays. Back when it was film cameras, you had to get the shot. And you had to get it right. So there was just so much planning and choreography. And I miss that. I, I think uh, one person, and it's, it's such a shame, man. I would have loved to have seen where Monty Ohm would have gone. I really think Monty Ohm would have been an amazing choreography supervisor for, oh, for film. For film. Could you imagine if Monty Ohm worked on the new Star Wars or if Monty Ohm works on the new on The Witcher or Lord of the Rings? God. The thing is I I He's liked, a little more stylistic for sure. I yeah. liked his animation choreography because he knew to just keep it fun and just you could do things in animation you can't do in real life. Like all the shit they would do sometimes in the red versus blue early fight scenes, so, like so cool. Yeah. It was so cool, but it's like people can't do this in real life. You get close. That's what. what well, else? no, no. He yeah. would have been. He would have been interesting to see. But I think where he liked it was crazy anime esque set pieces. I, was about I think to say that. Yeah. I think he belonged like with animation. I don't think his style belonged in a. A feature length, for sure. I, and no, or no, in no, a live feature, action. In live action, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, right. of like course, feature, live, he could probably action. do it, but I just think that would have underutilized him. I think Rooster Teeth was a good place for him to do all sorts of crazy shit. I think so, but I also kind of just saw Rooster Teeth as just the beginning of him uh, of his career. So it, it is a shame. It's very, very sad. Yeah. But at the same time, I hope that that inspires our generation once we're in. You know, once we're older, because we're all in our 20s, right? You know, most directors and people have been in the game for a while, right? They have they have a lot of cred in Hollywood. But once we see people our age starting to become directors and, and you found people, I, I would be interested to see who's, in, who's inspired by that. Because we're very much internet kids. You know, we were there when the internet first started. Yes. Yep. We were there when the internet first started. We saw some of the first memes and... Uh, you know, we've got to see it God evolve. It. Oh, that's some of the lamest shit I've ever heard was like, 
we were there for some of the first memes. It's like, ah, don't say that. That's, we were. I know. Which we is were fucking though. lame. That's the lamest shit to compare it to. <laughs> it's true. It's if, if I if I go in the future and I see in a fucking history book is like this was the first generation to experience memes. I'm like, that's not noteworthy. That's not a noteworthy thing to be proud of. <laughs> It is kind of. It's not. It's super not stepping. <laughs> I get that you enjoy them, but it's so not. I just love getting a fucking rise out of Shut you. That's up, all dude. it is. Fucking annoying it as works. hell. <laughs> I hate it. It's funny how I can literally say one thing 30 seconds ago and not repeat myself and have you get mad about it. That's so funny. Because I just know how you are. Let me finish my point. The thing is, like, yes, you did do it to get a rise on me, but that's how you are. That's what makes let me, me angry. Let me, let, me get, let me finish my point. Yeah. I, gr- I, I can't wait until I see somebody who makes a movie not for profit, not for to fit in this box, not for those reasons. I can't wait till we're back into like Brick with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You get a camera, you get your actors, you really put thought and motion into it, and every scene has a like has a meaning. I, I miss those days for sure. Um, I forgot his first name, but he's potentially become one of my favorite directors. He's only made two movies. Uh, his last name is Goddard. So he did the screen. He wrote a lot for uh, Daredevil, the show. Okay, like the actual yeah. The, and he his first directorial debut was Cabin in the Woods. Oh, which um, I watched. I watched a Dead Meat. <laughs> I watched a Dead Meat video on that. And if you like horror, watch Dead Meat. Um, and he was talking about how this the director was like, I may never get a chance to direct again, so I'm gonna get everything I fucking want to do in it. I'm gonna get hands on with it. Like he was just super involved in the process and just made this. I mean, you've seen Cabin in the Woods. It's a yeah. kick-ass movie. No, it's badass. Like, everything. Yeah. From plot to visual effects to... Yeah, yeah. He, he was just so involved with everything and just did craziest shit. Like, watching Death the behind scenes the scenes... are pretty fucking fun. Watching though. the behind-the-scenes for that shit is really good, so we should watch that one day. But uh, uh, he just... He was one of those guys. He just felt like he was never going to direct again, or he may never get a chance to direct again and put his all into it. Came out with a badass movie. Then he came out with a movie after that. Do you know what it was? I have a feeling. Bad times at the El Royale. Oh no way! Yeah, that makes sense. So the, that makes a lot so of sense. So he's giving like a lot of care into these movies, and they're like kind of original ideas and shit like that. Like, fuck yeah, yeah. It's I'm. Time. I mean, I've enjoyed those two movies immensely, and I hope he comes out with a third movie because I'm down to watch it. I don't want to say he's become one of my favorite directors so far because I don't want a M Night Shyamalan situation. Of course not. But, but uh, if if he's three for three, then he's got my yeah. he's got my candy. <laughs> was uh, this is a little offshoot, but was um, Gangster Squad a remake? Gangster Squad. Oh fuck! I was I was literally uh. Or, well, because I mean, it was kind of it was a cool idea. You no, know what I mean? So it's just, it's just funny it's you say great that. Great execution. It, like, no, weird it movie, but like I, I like the execution. Hold on, hold on. This is funny that you say that because I was literally cleaning my apartment and I was like dusting off like my. Uh, like literally before I came over here, I was just cleaning and I was looking at my Blu-rays and I saw the Gangster Squad Blu-ray there and I was like, oh yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> Did you bring it up? I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't know why. I just thought that to my head because it was just, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's an offshoot. It's, it's an offshoot kind of weird, not here's, who, who's this targeting to kind of movie. Here's the thing. It's the, it's a watered down version of the untouchables. I mean, without a doubt. The yeah. Untouchables was pretty much that. Just with... They had Al Capone. This one had a... 
fuck, uh, Jimmy something or another. Yeah, no, but used to be gangster. I consider gangster. Yeah, yeah, I can see totally see that. But it, it was one of those like offshoot movies, right? Who is this targeting to? Why did this get made? The, sometimes those movies surprise me. No, that's. I mean, it was just a generic fucking mobster movie, but yeah. not. But shot cool. But not the good generic mobster movie. I wish they put that theater scene back in the movie. Right. That was one of the coolest things in the trailer. In case you don't remember, in the trailer, they showed a whole bunch of gangsters coming out from behind a movie screen during a movie and shooting up the place. But that happened right around the time of the Dark Knight shooting. Right. So they took it out of the movie. Um, although it was a good call for them to do. I think they probably would have gotten some backlash. I, I think they should have released a cut that had it because it was a really good shot. And it was the climax of the trailer. That was, I remember that. That was a problem with movies in that generation. That 2010 through 2012, 2013 era, they would show things in the trailers that didn't happen in the movie at all. Well, and I understand why they took it out. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but like there Spider-Man was Spider Man Twin Towers. Spider Man Twin Towers. But it also reminds me of Predator, you know, with all the lasers, like making it look like there's a bunch of predators on this planet when there's four. And in the trailer, they're like, wow, yeah, there were four. Good the, job, Stefan. In, in the trailer, it's like, like there's a thousand of them and then you you think holy shit you know what what the fuck did they end but up on that, a predator planet you know which actual, they did but in the actual scene it was only one, one predator at the time yes so it's just one fucking laser it was so piss poor it was like a way to get you to get into the movie just to shell it out yeah. so i mean i get gangster squad don't i'm not trying to directly reference it but i mean there was a lot of things to be seen um that i just feel like were cut out but, um, oh, yeah. Definitely. But, you know, there's there's something to be said about those kinds of movies that are kind of B-movies in a way, but they, they have cool ideas. And it's like, I wish that the money that goes into the really, really high-budget crap would go to these movies, like Hancock. I liked Hancock. It was a weird movie, but it's it's a it's a interesting story. It's an interesting superhero take on a story. And uh, I, I did, like, a thesis on that movie, which is a stupid and weird movie to pick, I understand, but... For anyone who hasn't seen the movie, uh, watch the director's cut of it for sure. They get they get rid of a stupid scene and they add better scenes. Mm. Um, they shorten the fight scene between Hancock and what's her name? Charlie's Throne, Charlie's Theron, whatever her name it, is. Cannot... I, I hate her name. What? Charlie. Charlie Throne. You're a Theron guard. She's a Theron guard from Gears of War. Anyway, sorry. But they, they like cut that down and change some things up and they kind of make the movie flow better. And I just, it was an inter- interesting concept. I miss concept films that are like, hey, we have this idea. We're going to try it. We're going to make one. We'll go from there. Take risks. Make plans. Thanks for listening to the Empty Glass Podcast. If you guys enjoyed, make sure to follow us. Matt, are you okay? Matt's asleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Or I will call Mr. Clean. Just say Charlize. Charlize, that works. You don't have to say her last name if you don't know how to pronounce. Just say Charlize. That's it. Throne. Thanks for listening to the guys' podcast. You can follow us. You know the fucking places. (laughs) I'm gonna go back to being depressed. See you in the next twenty.